Hey everybody, Joe here from the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. If you enjoy what we do here on the show and you think it's worth your hard-earned money, you can support the show via Patreon. Just a $1 donation gets you access to bonus episodes, our Discord, and regular episodes before everybody else. If you donate at an elevated level, you get even more bonus content. A digital copy of my book, The Hooligans of Kandahar, and a sticker from our Teespring store. Our show will always be ad-free and is totally supporter-driven. We use that money to pay our bills, buy research materials that make this show possible, and support charities like the Kurdish Red Crescent, the Flint Water Fund, and the Halo Trust. Consider joining the Legion of the Old Crow today. And now back to the show. Well, we'll see about that. I ain't afraid to stand up to friends. Just ask Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. That guy's Spartacus. Hello, and welcome to part two of that Spartacus podcast uh, of this Lions Led by Donkeys series. Uh, I ruined that. Uh, it's Lions Led by Donkeys. Uh, we're talking about Spartacus part two today. What's up, Nick? How's it going? It's, uh, it's been all right. Um, last week, we talked about Spartacus and the Third Servile War, and uh, people had comments. <laughs> um, one of them was actually really interesting, and one that... Um, you will particularly will probably care about. Um, really, guy is a Roman reenactor slash cosplayer that's here. A thing. So uh, that's those are his words. So I'm assuming he's been listening to the show for a while. Uh, he told me because uh, we made fun of uh, them saying Jupiter's cock on the show Spartacus. On Stars. Absolutely, turns out amazing. Normal saying. Uh, it, it was by Jupiter's cock was a real thing in Roman times. It was just a standard way of say of swearing. Two common ones so, we use during Roman cosplay is per mentulum martis or by Mars's cock and per coleum lovis by Jupiter's balls. <laughs> a lot of cock region talk going on. Uh, it's not that much different. I mean, like soldiers are time immortal, right? Like, Oh, yeah, for sure. It's like that. Uh, that it's pretty funny. They found uh, on a Roman garrison, uh, soldiers had carved like dicks in the walls. <laughs> like, yep. That tracks. Dinglings. That tracks. And uh, you <laughs> asked what other sports Romans were into, other than watching people get fucking mauled to death in the in the uh, Colosseum. Um, yeah, chariot racing. Uh, I cherry chariot racing. Uh, oh, I thought you said chariot. Ra- that would been interesting. Chariot racing. Just throw them out in the dirt. It's like that <laughs> scene from The Simpsons where uh, fucking Ralph throws a banana on the ground. Go banana! <laughs> 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 Yeah, chariot racing was a big deal in Rome. Um, I didn't bring it up because I wasn't doing a history of like Roman sports, but like it was uh, it was a huge deal, and it'd be actually become even bigger during the time of the Byzantine Empire. Like political parties were aligned to different chariot teams. Like massive amounts of political violence were committed over chariot racing. Um, oh, yeah, which I I wish I could say is dumber than the system we have now, but it's not. Um, I was kind of hoping it would be like a NASCAR thing. I mean, it kinda, the Hicks of the Romans is it, way more popular than NASCAR. 100% more popular because like nobody really okay. gives a shit about NASCAR in the United States. Like it has like its hardcore fans. I mean, well, the tailgates are pretty awesome. Yeah, it's like that. But like it was way more important in Rome. Um, but I'm pretty sure that's the only thing people really go for. Really? The tailgates. <laughs> the, the, the For NASCAR or chariot racing? Ooh, both. How are those fucking tailgate parties? I imagine they're miserable because everybody smelled bad and like there's sewage no, in the streets yeah. and stuff. Do it's a really keg hard to get rid of flip, dick cheese at the time. Yeah, do a keg stand. Your toga runs up over your fucking head. And your balls are just flop out. Um, so when we left you last week, 
Spartacus, Crixus, and what had quickly grown to be thousands of escaped Roman slaves had rampaged through the Roman countryside, burning and looting their way through the Republic's rich and powerful summer homes. Um, good. Uh, but, you know, they've, they killed a lot of people. Um, but, like, you know, I don't... I'm not going to shed tears for the, the Roman slave drivers. Um, you do not, in fact, have to hand it to Roman slave owners. Uh, the rebels had grown fat and happy, uh, or the rebels had grown fat and happy, pillaging their way through the area, and their numbers continued to swell. Uh, like we talked about at length during the first episode, even the best case scenario for slaves working in rich people's villas was not great. So watching a bunch of dudes show up, break their change, and give them a chance at freedom meant that the vast majority of slaves came across them, ended up joining them. It doesn't really say what happens to the slaves if they don't want to join them. I'm going to assume that not good things happens to them. Right. Um, because, I mean, they're killing most of the people that live in these homes unless they escape. So, like, if you're if you're like a slave who doesn't want to join Spartacus and, 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 and the, the boys... <laughs> Um, you probably you probably get the the, the stabby stabby the boys. Um, yeah, uh, panic at the rebellion, which I think was a band name that somebody said. Um, I like it. Uh, after running around and doing hood rat shit for around a year, uh, someone in the slave army, nobody's entirely sure who, as a, I think I've pointed out before, slaves in the middle of a bloody revolt rarely stopped what they were doing in time to jot down a manifesto right. of any kind. Um. And also Spartacus, probably illiterate, um, so probably wasn't going to do a lot of writing. Uh, He decided that if they kept fucking around in the open, it was only a matter of time before they ran across an actual Roman army. (laughs) Uh, So it was in their best interest to find a place that they might be able to defend instead of just like fucking up towns and stuff, which to be fair, they had done a lot. They've raided quite a few towns and villages. And it's popped Uh, up on uh, fucking big Roman radar. Yeah, like it, you're you're ruining their fucking property values. Um, and like it's it's like now the only way you get any people's attention and power is if you burn things because that like lowers the shareholders' value. Um, I don't think I can legally say I agree or disagree with that, but let's just say that these two things track because uh, it got the Romans' nice. attention. <laughs> um, I should clarify a few things about the slave army, however. Individually, most of them were pretty dependable fighters. The core of the army, several hundred of them, were trained gladiators and who, remember, were mostly former soldiers or fighters in some way in some time. However, they'd picked up a lot of villa and field slaves, which were definitely not. Uh, furthermore, gladiators were trained in one-on-one combat, not war. Remember, we talked about uh, gladiatorial combat in the last episode. Right. It was for entertainment. It wasn't practical. Could you imagine them really in combat and be like, Hey, you missed your line, and then they just get stabbed. <laughs> it's like attempting to fucking bring capoeira into <laughs> MMA. It looks pretty kind of dumb. And do you remember the movie that um, came? For example, Capo. Fuck. There's a capoeira yeah. movie. I think. I think they just call that Footloose. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong, but because all the because all the dancing. Cap- there's a movie, and there's an army dude in it. Ugh, but he he, he he retired as soon would- as he left the islands. And then he brought capoeira to the inner city. Brought up. Oh, this is, what is this like? Uh, fucking gangsters paradise, but Capoeira. I enjoyed the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so like he was like well, he's in the American yeah. army because like who the fuck taught him Capoeira in the American army? That's like, I think something he did it for learned. funsies while he was PCS. I don't know. I don't like it. 
there's so many holes in the story. Stolen, stolen capoeira valor. And, you know, that's one of the nice martial arts that if you made it up, you'd hardly be able to tell. Um, so, for example, uh, we're going to talk about the Roman army a little bit. Uh, the Roman army uh, at the time, especially post-Marian reforms, was something of a weapon of mass destruction of its day. Uh, this is because its maniple legions were able to work together as a unit to steamroll their enemy. Um, I'm not really going to go into huge detail how the Roman legion works or how it functioned in battle. I think I've pointed this out before, maybe in our Tudorberg Forest episode, that the, the HBO series Rome did a very good job of showing a legion at, at, at war really? and fighting. How, uh, like... Oh, God is perfect. I haven't seen anything better. Um, like if, if you read um, some of the stuff from like the, uh, the uh, Marian reforms and say like Crassus lives and stuff like that, um, it's, it shows exactly how it's supposed to work in the best case scenario where you know every line of the legion will fight or of a maniple will fight for only a few minutes before being rotated out so they don't get tired. And like you, the fir- the front rank, the front rank is the least experienced, um, and then uh. so on and so forth until you get to the most experienced people in the back. Because by the time you rotate forward, the most experienced people will now be at the front, and the enemy will be tired. Right. So they can completely so fucking doing line dominate. changes. All um, right. Yeah. Ex- pretty much. Yeah. Um, it, but it required very good discipline uh, and teamwork. It wasn't like individual Roman soldiers were very good soldiers or something. It was actually kind of the opposite of that. A good example of what happens when a legion is unable to fight together as it's trained is Hannibal Barca storming across the Alps and fighting them in irregular war and like ambushing them and forcing them into situations where they couldn't deploy their uh, formations correctly. They got fucking massacred. Um, But like that could be said for virtually any army throughout time. Uh, You take them out of their comfort zone. They can't fight. Uh, Looking at you, Iraq and Afghanistan, or Vietnam, or like any or Afghanistan again for the Soviet Union. Like uh, militaries are trained a very specific way, uh, and if soldiers can't deploy correctly and fight the way they're trained, they kind of just turn into panic meat bags that try to save their own lives and not fight, which is how an army loses. Um, and but the gladiators were the opposite; they were individually probably better fighters than Roman soldiers, and they sit, they almost certainly had more experience. Uh, but they made a pretty terrible army. Uh, not all of these guys, like because remember one of the theories about Spartacus is he's a captured Roman soldier. Um, not all of them were. So like they weren't trained how to fight together. They didn't train as gladiators how to fight together because they would be right. fighting one another. Uh, so Spartacus or whoever it was coming up with the idea to pull back into a defensible position was the only good idea that they had had. Like, so is there far. like a rank structure like, that they go off of? Definitely like, not. No. Um, oh, this guy. I don't know. His dick cheese is like smellier. He, he's got he's got the more powerful yeah. funk. That means that means Clearly he's in charge. He definitely not. Um, like everybody seems to just uh, default to the fact that. Um, Spartacus was in charge. There's actually no evidence of that. Um, it seems like they rotated through people that may or may not have good ideas at the time. And a small cadre of people, Crixus, Spartacus, and Oneonis, who end up getting killed eventually, uh, would kind of 
come up with ideas too. There's no rank structure. There's no unit structure. It's not even like a unified force. At various times, like chunks of this army are like peeling off to raid shit on their own. Nobody's in charge um, because, you know, they're a bunch of rebels and some of them aren't soldiers whatsoever. Uh, and every group, um, like it's a super multinational group, multi-ethnic group. Some of them don't speak the same language. So there's like a very good chance that like if Spartacus came up with a plan, someone down the line had no fucking idea what he was saying. Um, which like is very common uh, for armies like this. Like I think we've talked about this before in different uh, battle. But like, you know, there's there's no cohesion. The only cohesion is fuck the Romans and you know, uh, fuck bitches get money pretty nice. much. So, like they want to, they want to loot as many things as possible, which they're they're accumulating a massive amount of wealth, um, and 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 dishing out an incredible amount of revenge for the people that enslaved them. But as far as like an overarching goal, no, D- there's no evidence that the ev- one ever existed. <laughs> um, but we'll talk about that in a little bit because I do have to try to explain how I picked some sources, um, and how right. I told the story, um. So, the defensive position they decided to pick was Mount Vesuvius. Um, so, they climbed up Mount Vesuvius and camped. Now, obviously, when most people, and probably you, think when I bring up Mount Vesuvius, is like as the Mount Doom that laid waste to Pompeii. Um, and that isn't wrong. It's the same mountain, but this is taking place about a right. century before that I was also thinking of, for um, some reason, Anchorman 2. I don't, I don't know, know why either. <laughs> One day, like, I, we've, we've known each other. For nearly a decade, and we've been working on this podcast for th- almost three years, and I still, I, I still have no idea how your mind works. <laughs> sometimes. It's a fucking roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, like back then, uh, you know, the century before it was the nuclear bomb of its day, um, Mount Vesuvius was pretty lush and green, and it was actually covered in like really thick, annoying vines that like people know they had to chop through in order to like make their way, like create a footpath. Um, but there's also only one crossable trail leading up to the mountain, which created one hell of a choke point and made it very easy to defend. Uh, so these are all good choices made by these uh, people who honestly had no idea what they were doing. Um, and while they camped there, the slow gears of Roman uh, statecraft and bureaucracy began to turn. The Roman government saw Spartacus's actions as little more than an armed crime wave. Nice. Still. However, because it is tearing up the good neighborhood where the senators and their friends own property, they decided to be a good idea to do something about it. However, this led to a bit of a problem. Uh, commanding an army to go crush some slaves uh, was hardly an attractive job for anybody that would want to volunteer for it. Roman generals were all politicians, members of the Senate and men of influence. These were not lowly soldiers who had worked their way up and like pulled themselves by their military bootstraps. No, Boot sandals? Wearing sandals. Now it, it, yeah. Sandal straps. Um, like they commanded armies specifically to win glory and further their political careers or win riches in foreign lands that they could then feasibly turn around and further their political careers with. So it's a lot like today, but... Instead of becoming congressman, you end up working for General Dynamics. Like it, it's all it's it's clout sharking, uh, and you're not gonna like all volunteer to command the armies against Spartacus because there's nothing to gain right. for it. If I went and crushed Spartacus's bitch ass, I don't win any honor. <laughs> Nobody's gonna throw me a triumph because I just. Uh, 
yeah, I can't write a fucking memoir about this. Nobody, nobody's <laughs> gonna care. I can't get to the next like because I talked about the last episode. Like, it was a very set, um, like script of climbing the the ladder of Roman politics. One of those is military glory. Um, what a very important one was military glory. So like, this doesn't edge me up further up this ladder. I'm not gonna fucking do it. So absolutely nobody wanted to do it. Um, so the job fell on one Gaius Claudius Glober. With that name, um, that's just got to happen. Yeah, got to get it to <laughs> yeah. the glob. I, it, it might be Glaber. Uh, I didn't glob. fucking take Latin. And honestly, I don't care. I'm going with Glaber. Um, now, Glaber is one of eight elected praetors within Rome at the time. Um, praetors were elected members of the Roman judiciary. And at various times within the Roman Republican history, uh, they could end up controlling the entire government if one of the elected councils, of which there is normally two, would leave I Rome for some. Chris Hansen so, caught like, him. With a name like Glober, <laughs> well, he's like, go ahead, go ahead and have a seat, Claudius. I, if I didn't know you what tell me why you're here today? And... <laughs> That's what I'm getting at. <laughs> oh, God. Roman Pizzagate. <laughs> It's actually where it began. I mean, that's where pizza was invented. Probably not. I don't pizza's know. good. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Dick's in on it. My eye is opened. Um, now, of the various praetors within Rome, Glauber was considered a junior and much less influential. Uh, some of this could have had to do with the fact that he was a common plebe by birth and had worked his way up through military action, not connections. So, like, he wasn't born in any of the risk rich patrician or patrician or uh or any powerful family um and the last military um rank that he held was uh legate or or legatus i'm probably pronouncing all of these wrong um it can be considered like a decently ranking general um like so like you know he'd be i don't know a brigadier general or something however he had been promoted to that job and then immediately taken office as a praetor meaning he'd never actually commanded an army don't before. need to turns out don't need i mean honestly in rome sometimes you're <laughs> totally right about that um but uh because the dumb processes of roman government suddenly it was now his job to march an army into mount vesuvius and defeat spartacus and preserve with most powerful homeowners associations <laughs> of all time <laughs> But like I pointed out in the last episode, Rome was still short on well-trained legionnaires or soldiers. Uh, I'll use that term. Uh, I exchange that term back and forth, and it probably pisses some people off. I'd, sorry. Um, so because there's so many wars and other rebellions popping off all over the place, they had nobody left to spare. So Glauber would have to, again, scrape an army together out of whatever he could find lying around. And what he found was not great. Um, according to Appian in Civil Wars, Glauber's army of around 3,000 men was, quote, picked in haste and at random, for the Romans did not consider this war yet, but a raid, something of an attack of robbery. So, uh, hmm. Rome's really yeah. phoning this one in. Let's let's get the Legionnaire C <laughs> team up here. Like, what is what is lower on the totem pole than, uh, I don't know, the, the reserves? Like, this is below National Guard, State below Guard? reserves. They're calling up, know. like... Yeah, call it up state guard, like the unarmed positions. Like, give him a spear. <laughs> Fuck it. Uh, keeping up that idea, Glauber didn't have any grand plans. Uh, he may have wanted to confront the slaves in open battle. Should he have, like, a legion at his back? But he didn't. He had the Roman version of, like, the state guard. So he tossed out the idea of, like, fate squaring off, like, 
mano e mano and open battle and settle on another idea. Glaber knew, like most people, that there's only one way up the mountain, and no matter how defensible the entire thing was, it didn't matter if he didn't intend on actually fighting. He'd simply camp out on that single path and lay siege and starve out the rebels. I mean, solid. So, it's a plan. Yeah, it's a long plan, but I mean, it's a plan. It's better than like let's let's like an action movie attacking up the hill one at a time or whatever. Um, so that's exactly what they did. They marched this newly formed militia directly out into the mountain and plopped them down in for a siege, daring the slaves to try to break it. Which, to their credit, they had no idea how. Like they they they've never been besieged before. Um, whatever plan they were going to do was going to be very weird. Now, the vast majority of the slaves knew they had no chance of, like, running down the mountain path and squaring up against a Roman line, even a shitty hand-picked militia version of it. They weren't trained for Roman war. They had no idea of how to, like, plop a uh, maniple legion or a phalanx down. So they decided they would fight. They just wouldn't fight a Roman war, which, good idea. Um, Spartacus and crew wouldn't be marching down the path, but the rest of the mountain behind them was nothing but sheer cliff faces. So, like, there's no plan B here. So, the slaves reached deep into their brain palace and found probably the coolest plan B I've ever found in my life. Mm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you, what would you do in this situation if you're Spartacus? Like, what would your plan be? Do you, like, run down the cliff? Do you try to wait out the siege? Like, what do you do? With the wealth that I gathered ahead of time, I'd buy Roman uniforms and go down and be like, yeah, they're still up there. And one at a time and just bring my whole crew down. Just from, like, ye old Amazon? (laughs) So, I have to admit, I'm looking at this plan. And I don't know what the fuck I would do. And I certainly would not have think about, I would not have thought about what the slaves end up doing. So they take up their weapons and begin hacking away at the copious amount of vines that grow all over the mountains. Then they weave them together into improvised ropes. They then cast the ropes over the sheer cliff faces and fucking repel fucking down. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> That's right, baby. <laughs> that's, that's fucking awesome. Meanwhile, Globber and his forces had no idea that they were apparently fighting the only air assault qualified slaves in all of Rome. Uh, now, in the show, I didn't watch it's it like all the way through. like their parents are downstairs and they're sneaking out the back window. Yeah, with like the fucking uh, the sheets oh, tied yeah. together or whatever. Now, I looked up uh, what they how they covered this in the show um, because it's a show that exists and I have no plans of watching all the seasons of it. But they have Spartacus and a couple people roped down to do this. I need to, I need to be very clear here. The entire army repelled down the cliff face this is not like a dozen people this is could thousands you imagine of how people. many people fell it had to be a couple yeah like oh lost <laughs> yeah, another like, one <laughs> yeah osha regulations in the slave army who's were on very lax <laughs> i don't think they had <laughs> yeah. one I, I mean i don't like i think i'm using the term repelled incorrectly i believe they just like free <laughs> climb down you think but, they like, had some climber bros re- you need to chalk up before we go down yeah, the wearing short shorts and weird grippy shoes you know, all of I a have, sudden. I do this thing uh, in my van. I live in my van, just so everybody knows. <laughs> so I could really become one <laughs> with the rock. I swear to God, somebody give me my gladius so I could stab this bitch <laughs> in the face. Any climbers um, that follow us, uh, I don't know. Do we have any? I don't know. Someone's got to. Someone, someone's probably really into bouldering, which 
as a man that is 6'3 and 240 pounds is a sport I cannot the fuck do. fuck is bouldering? Um, it's like really, it's, it's, I have a hard time explaining it. Watch a YouTube video. It's really weird. Like it's, they climb uh, just like, it's not like cliffs. It's straight up boulders. And they do like free climbing around these giant boulders where like there might be only a couple feet off the ground, but they're like spider spider manning that shit. Mm. Like completely. My fingers are uh, already cramping. Like, yeah, exactly. I do not have the grip strength for it. Um, now, Glauber had no idea that any of this is going on because, <laughs> of course, he didn't. He he was so sure uh, of himself and the incompetence of the slaves that he didn't bother in setting up any kind of watch posts or pickets watching his flank. This is what is generally known as a bad idea. Because um, even if a, even if you're putting anybody under siege, you put up guards. Uh, but apparently not. So. It must have been a pretty big surprise for everybody in Globber's army's camp when the repelling slave army rounded them out and attacked them from behind. <laughs> the massacre of the Roman militia at the foot of the mountain was so complete, it isn't even noted how any, if anybody managed to really? escape it. To include Globber himself, he simply falls off from all of written Roman history and isn't even noted if he really? died. Have you ever been so fucking killed during a battle you get ethered from all of history? It's like some like Stalin disappearing <laughs> photograph shit. Um, either he was killed or so completely dishonored by being beaten by vine raiding gladiator Rome that Roman history never thought to make a note of him ever again. Uh, which is such a thorough historical own. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it before. Yes, you got the old razzle and, uh, dazzle. Let- I, I have to assume he died. Um, and then the Romans, the Romans like, oh, lost a Praetor, elect a new one. Uh, obviously, this was a huge victory for Spartacus and his army, but they knew that their vine trick would not work twice. So they, they needed don't know what they that. could from the thousands they, they of don't dead know. Romans. It could have. <laughs> Quick, hide all the bodies. They couldn't possibly figure out how we did this. Or maybe, more importantly, they'd run up against a general who knew to put fucking guards out. Like, keep someone awake at night? Yeah. Do something? I don't know. Use scouts, <laughs> maybe? Um, what's important here is, like, when you watch a lot of stuff um, or read a lot of stuff, it's like, oh, the gladiators are using their sick gladiatorial skills and weapons. At this point, all that shit's gone. They've cast off all their gladi- uh, gladiator stuff and have thousands of sets of Roman equipment and armor at this point because they, yeah, they've killed so sick. many people. Now they could go yeah, through they're with not my wearing. Plan. It's a little late for that, but yes. Well, if anything does happen. <laughs> Guys, I have an idea. Let's just march like a Roman legion and just walk into Rome. Boom. Uh, by now, word of the slave army that had routed a Roman praetor spread far and wide. Thousands of slaves began to escape their bondage and join, as did, as did thousands more free people. Which is really weird. Free Remember, people. some of these slaves that were running away had actually had better living conditions than free and unemployed Romans because the landowning class had fucked them both in different ways. So they saw no problem joining forces to do some fucking right back and make nice. them pay. Uh, like a lot of them are like, you know, I don't see anything wrong <laughs> with slavery, but also yeah. fuck those guys and like because <laughs> there's the, the unemployment rate in Rome is incredibly high. Uh, because of all the slaves. By this point, Spartacus's forces had grown to the tens of thousands, and they had looted more than enough weapons to go around. Shepherds and herdsmen joined his army, and they began to be fielded as scouts, which means he's now smarter <laughs> than a praetor. Uh, and 
the slaves begin to develop something like a spontaneous army, but there's still no real discipline or command structure right. here. Now you would think Rome would begin to panic at this point, like they routed up, like routed and killed a praetor, uh, but they didn't. Obviously, they were probably still a bit embarrassed about that army losing and like one of their eight praetors being killed, probably uh, by a bunch of slaves. But even if they had lost the entire force of three thousand, which they probably did, at least mostly. And I should point out that Spartacus is not taking prisoners; um, he's killing oh, I everyone. Imagine. Which, I get it, yeah. Uh, but I should point out that losing a force of 3,000, not that big of a loss. They were militia, not a legion. So Romans seemed to just shrug off their so- shoulders and find another praetor for this job. This time, it was Publius Varinius. Do you think he was excited to um, take this now, job? Uh, probably not. He's like, wait, what happened to the last <laughs> does, guy? Yeah, he doesn't but, exist anymore. <laughs> yeah, you get promoted because like, somebody died and there's no one else to do the job. Gotta love it. And I should actually I should rephrase that. This is definitely not a promotion. Um, Verinius is another man that not much is known about, though he seemed to be of higher standing than Glober because at one point he was a I mean, proconsul yeah, or someone who's not higher than Glober. Someone yeah, Glober bottom of the barrel here when it comes to uh, Roman bureaucrats. Now a proconsul is someone that can act on behalf of one of the two Roman consuls, uh, and he would eventually go on to become a governor. After this, uh, though, for some reason, the Star Series randomly changes the name to Publius Maximus. You got to add the Maximus. Because it's cooler. I mean, Maximus, legitimately a much cooler name. Um, despite every primary source clearly naming him correctly as Verinius. Uh, it also frames Glauber and Verinius as foes and like constantly fucking with each other and stabbing each other Literally. in the back. Uh, for uh, Well, Glauber got enough of the <laughs> yeah. stabby stab on his own. Um, there's no reason for this. Uh, there's no evidence for it either um, because they're not fucking each other over for military glory because I need to be clear here. They didn't think there's any military glory in here uh, any more than any other two politicians in Rome who are always fucking each other over. Um, but despite all of these things, a decent military commander of Renius was not. There was no way to tell, but it seems that he wasn't even as good as a commander as Glauber and he didn't have nearly as much uh, experience there's there's no evidence of him like rising to any kind of rank within the Roman military, which is a problem. Um, at least not so much as anybody thought it important enough to write down. Much like Glauber, Verinius's army would be made up of militia because they are apparently not quick learners. Hmm. This force was much larger than Glauber's and and was at least equal to that of Spartacus's still growing force. So like tens of thousands of people. Uh, Unlike Glauber, Verinius split his command with two other sub-commanders, Ferruus and Cassinius. Um, this is most likely because it's a much bigger force, you know, span of control and all that. Um, and so that makes sense. But what happens next does not. Instead of organizing and dispersing his force in a way to force Spartacus to confront him in open battle, which he probably would have won, and by him I mean Verinius, he allowed his force to be split up under his sub-commanders and taken into different directions. Huh. Uh, not no. a good idea. Again, nobody is sure why this happened. No notes are made of this. Uh, it just says, like, they split up. Nobody's really sure why. Bad breakups. Um, it, it seems like Verinius was just bad at his job, and he thought that each one of his forces was good enough to beat Spartacus, and if they dispersed, they have a better chance of tracking him down. Uh, spoiler alert, does not happen. Um, 
what's probably more like what's more what's more likely is Vrenius was bad at being a commander, and they underestimated the threat that Spartacus posed. Still, so both Cassinius and Ferus forces were picked apart Ooh. one by one. Uh, yep, Spartacus knew that he didn't want to confront these groups all at once, so he simply ambushed them one at a time. That fucking sucks. Because uh, like uh, Spartacus probably wasn't a military commander. In Rome, like some people like like to believe he was, um, but he wasn't an idiot. He knew that their best way to win was clearly to not engage them toe to toe. So, what would happen is, like, say Cassinius' forces is marching from point A to point B, uh, Spartacus's forces would hit and run them all the way there, and then kill what was left at the at the like when they finally got to where they were going. Um, and then once that was done, Spartacus's forces crept so close to the force led by Avrinius. That when they finally did ambush him, Verenius was bathing in a river and had to run what? for his life butt-ass naked with, with gladiators on his heels. <laughs> he only barely escaped capture while his force behind him was slaughtered. His personal horse was captured and ridden away in victory by Spartacus himself. It, is that true? It is, according to Appian. Uh, so hmm. probably. Okay. Once again, the gladiators looted the thousands of corpses left behind in the aftermath of the battle. Their numbers, again, grew even more as more and more slaves ditched their shitty lives as well as the aura of, holy shit, these guys are actually doing it. Uh, Like like this, the word began to spread. And soon Spartacus's army, which remember began with like between like 10 and 30 people or maybe 70, was now around 80,000. What's the time period? (laughs) Uh, about a Jesus year and a half, Christ. two years at this point. Yeah. If only our podcast can take off like that. I mean, it kind of I mean, has. Yeah. <laughs> and we we had to kill significantly less Italians in order to grow. Maybe that's the secret. Edit that out. <laughs> now. <laughs> <laughs> the gladiators or people with them... Uh, because remember, the start is like a core of gladiators, right? Or at least gladiator-adjacent people in training to be gladiators. People who at least looked like they were soldiers or had some soldiering skill. Those people were now vastly outnumbered by every other kind of slave that Rome had to offer. And also some random normal people that weren't slaves. Um, so they kind of had a problem. Like, yeah, we have an 80,000-man army, but like 90% of these motherfuckers don't know how to fight. Uh, but... Thankfully, there was thousands of proven soldiers within the ranks that you know had become gladiators or various other things. So as the season rolled into winter, and some like some groups went out and raided Roman countrysides, like because remember, I I have probably already said this a dozen times already, but this is not a unified force. Like at no point is Spartacus holding a formation and taking accountability of how many fucking people he has. Like there's a core of people that 100 percent are behind whatever they're doing. But then there's also like groups of people like, I'm going to go yeah, fuck up that town. And then they'd all just go. Yeah. Like there's, there's no command and control here, but for a lot of people, they stayed in like during the winter, they drilled, like they nice. kind of made their own impromptu ludus and like train them in that, like uh, kind of how they knew to be soldiers, but also how to fight like a gladiator. So like some people got some training, um, not everybody, but they. everybody had certainly more training than where they started out. Um, and this is where I have to kind of explain how I charted the rest of this story. Um, I have to point out a few things before we get moving on from here on out. 
the history of the rest of Spartacus's war is fucking all over the place. Um, in fact, two of the primary sources I've been using for this series, Appian Civil War and Plutarch, tell completely different stories, though they don't technically contradict one another, but they also have nothing in common. For instance, battles happen in one that simply don't happen in the other. Um, Plutarch makes no attempt to explain anything that Spartacus does and instead just charges manic movements across Italy without seemingly understanding any of it. That's not a knock against Plutarch at all. It's just he didn't feel like expanding on any of it, which I get, which, like I said, is completely fine. I can tell you from experience that it is normal to not understand why some historical figures do what they do and what their rationale is. Sometimes people are just unstable, make wild and dumb choices, and you can't always put yourself in their shoes. That's not your job as a historian, actually, is to try to like explain why people do things, unless there's more evidence, which right. there's not. Um, but on this show, we like to tell a story, as well as maybe educate people about things they didn't previously know about. So rather than just shrugging off and saying, I don't know what happened... I don't, but I will use Appian Civil War as the main source going forward. Technically, this is correct, as I'm still using a primary source, which, as Futurama has always told me, is the best kind Very of correct. True. Um, now, if you are someone who fancies yourself a Roman history nut and you prefer Plutarch side of things, that does not mean that neither one of us is incorrect. Uh, they're both reputable primary sources on everything that yeah, we're all talking those big about. big Plutarch um, fans out there. Let's pump the brakes a little bit. Big Plutarch stands, yeah, Plu, Plu stands. <laughs> um, like the neither, like neither country. It's it's like I I, I don't know. It's if you uh, read a book and watched a movie uh, based on that book, and things are different. Like they're not necessarily wrong. It's a different story. Um, that may not be the best analogy here. I'm gonna move <laughs> on. I'm not good with analogies. Okay, another side note here. Sorry. Um, it's become something of a popular nugget of wisdom about these events that Crixus and Spartacus had a falling out, leading to them to split their armies up. Um, this is in the Spartacus movie. This is in Spartacus on Stars, where they like Crixus is like, I'm taking the gulls and I'm fucking off on my own. There's no evidence this ever happened. Um, in fact, it seems to be something that the movies just kind of made up. Or people looked at a battle that we're about to explain and said, well, Crixus's army got wiped out and Spartacus's didn't, so therefore they couldn't possibly have been working together. I feel like we're probably applying too much military thought on people who were not commanding real right. militaries or maybe putting too much personality into something that we don't actually have evidence of it happening. Um, because I highly doubt, in my opinion, that they would make it this far and then start fighting one another. Uh, they probably would have done it way long time ago before they're in command of ten thousand or tens of thousands of people, um, because at this point their lives literally depended on one another. Um, it 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 seems like if I'm going to use Occam's razor here, this did not happen. Um, so the rebels broke camp in the winter, and the Romans were finally getting their shit together. They finally realized that this was not a crime wave; they had another fucking war on their hands. So they dispatched two consular legions under the command of Lucius Gelinius and Gnaeus Cornelius Lentulius Cordanius. Fuck these names. <laughs> I should point out that is you only said two a people. Concierge legion? A consular okay, legion. 
these two men were the consuls of Rome, meaning these were their personal allegiance under the commands of the consuls. This meant that they held the highest elected position in all of the Republic. So, like, Rome is no longer fucking around. And then soon, these, uh, these two men and their legions were dispatched. Spartacus and Crixus knew they wanted absolutely nothing to fucking do with this coming battle. Uh, like they, they, they heard through the grapevine, through slaves and their scouts, like, bro, the legions are coming. These Fuck aren't these that, scrubs dude. that we've been fighting. And Crixus and Spartacus probably looked at each other like, "Fuck this! We need to get the fuck out of here." So they attempted to outmaneuver them. Unfortunately, they simply this was never going to happen. Um, an actual Roman legion was something of a machine, not just in killing people like I already talked about, but in movement. The most basic Roman soldier could march 20 to 22 miles a oh, day. Oh, with shitty sandals? With shitty sandals and Whoa. full pack and food on their backs. Like, these guys, like, most of their training was marching. Like, I could never match that. And I am going to assume that I'm much healthier than any Roman soldier who's ever existed. <laughs> uh, I could, the longest ruck march I ever did was around 20 miles, give or take. I carried probably similar weight to a Roman soldier, maybe a little less. And I was fucking done for days afterwards. I wanted so to die. Was, you weren't wearing And I had modern footwear. Yeah, I had modern footwear. And like, you know, a modern rucksack with back support. <laughs> These guys are carrying shit in a sack and wearing metal and sandals. In the Italian sun. Like, it's incredible what they could pull off. Um, like, but... The reason is why the I Italian point that out is the slave army. The normal sun? It's really fucking oh, I thought hot the Italian in Italy in the was shaped like the Italian hand. <laughs> yeah. I'm fucking shining <laughs> here! Uh, now, the reason why I point that out is a slave army made up of mostly half-trained farm slaves and a couple of gladiators was never going to be able to outrun this. Uh, even in their wildest dreams, like maybe some of the best people could have like gotten away it's like that saying, like, I don't need to unru- uh, outrun the bear. I just need right. to outrun you. Um, like, th- if they would have marched as hard as they possibly could, parts of it maybe would have been able to escape. But um, according to Appian, the slaves are maneuvering around Mart- Mount Garganus when they split up in order to easily travel in, uh, like, because, like, you know, marching with huge groups of tens of thousands of people on small mountain roads is kind of hard. So they split up like taking two different paths around a mountain with the idea of meeting up on the other side and continuing to press north out of Italy. Maybe. That's what most people uh, subscribe to is that they were attempting to march north out of Italy and back into Gaul. Um, Gelinius forces found the, uh, found the split forces being led by Crixus, and there was no way Crixus could run. So for the first time, the slaves came up against a real Roman legion, and Crixus was fucking annihilated. Uh, his force of nearly 30,000 was wiped out and with the prisoners all being killed on oh. the spot. It isn't known how Crixus died, but we know he did not escape the battlefield alive. Uh, this had like the reason why they were split is because they simply couldn't meet up. And remember, this is the Roman times. You're not going to like fucking get on the radio be like, bro, I got ambushed. Like you fucked. There's there's no way Spartacus knew like Spartacus didn't even know right. this happened. Um, he didn't know until he merged on the other side of the mountain and there was now a fucking legion behind him and not oh, Crixus. Fuck. And he had no choice but to march as hard and fast as he possibly could north. With the death of Crixus, tens of thousands of his followers and, and tens of thousands of his followers, he probably knew the game was up and he had to get the fuck out of Italy. 
And that's when, like, most people, like I said, most people think that he was aiming for Gaul uh, to the north of Rome and, like, his force could dissipate, go back. Most of them are Gaulish. He may be Thracian. Everybody could run back home. Uh, like, they, and a lot of people say, like, oh, he was planning on marching on, north, on Rome itself, but he marched right the fuck past Rome. So that probably wasn't it. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that later because there is the idea that really? it happened again. Uh, so what he did then is he immediately found out there was another legion right in front of him under the, the command of the other consul. He knew he was going to... Yeah, if you caught that, I did not want to say that name a second time. <laughs> I mean, at least you got that one guy, He, Gillette. Gillette, the, the best a yeah. legion can get. He knew he was going to have no choice but to fight this legion. Like, there's no way around him. He knew that he like it had a disadvantage. Uh, like, he knew that he had every disadvantage known to man. And uh, he had to do something that the Romans could not prepare for. Like, I can't, like, join my shields together and march at these guys. They'll fucking annihilate me. Uh, I can't do the vine trick again. <laughs> what can I do? Uh, so he simply spun his force around and attacked the legion that was coming at him from behind. Because they probably weren't prepared for them to, like, turn around and attack him. So his forces turned and attacked Jelenius. His forces were caught by surprise, and they couldn't get information correctly. So they kind of all retreated in confusion. Huh. But Spartacus wasn't done. He turned his force around again and launched his attack against the other consul, routing them as well after a short battle. After the second battle, Spartacus ca- uh, captured hundreds of Roman soldiers, and apparently they willingly surrendered themselves to him, probably assuming like, hey, if anybody knows what happens like after you surrender in a battle, it would be slaves. Like They're going to enslave us. Yeah, not this time. Uh, but Spartacus was kind of right in that. He decided he would do the same thing to the Roman soldiers that happened to him. And that is, he turned them into gladiators and made them fight to oh, the fuck. death for their entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> and what we can assume is the Uno reverse card of gladiatorial funeral games for Crixus. He forced 300 Roman soldiers to fight to the death, and then the last one standing, he killed himself. I mean, that's not much of a prize. Uh, some people refused to take part, and they were also executed. I assume the guy who won uh, probably thought he was going to go free. But like Spartacus is like, congratulations, you win. Uh, this go sword sleep, bitch. <laughs> in your chest. Um, so these surprise attacks so badly rattled the Romans, they couldn't bring their forces together to bring their collective strength against Spartacus. And Spartacus used that time to run north. The councils were recalled to Rome, where they're both stripped of their title and power by, by the Senate. Now, Spartacus originally, at least according to Appian, wanted to march on Rome, but then immediately rethought the plan when his blood rage about his friends dying subsided. Consider it the post-nut <laughs> clarity of war. Uh, because like he's like, when you think about it, yeah, I just defeated two consular legion, which is, is fucking crazy. Should have never happened. But... Marching on Rome with 80,000 people, well, actually half that now, um, not going to work, especially because he's fighting with an army that does not know how to lay siege to anything. Like, these are all pretty big gaps in their plan. But to Spartacus's credit, he's like, hold up. This is a fucking (laughs) bad idea. Uh, So now the war has been going on for three years, and he reverted back to his old plan, which was get the fuck out of Italy, which... I assume is most people's plan when they find themselves I thought it was like he's going to vine out of there. I, 
sw- swinging a vine all the way to fucking mainland Europe. I don't mean that, Italy. I love you. I've never been there before. Now, in Rome, it came time for new elections to the office of Praetor. By now, nobody in Rome doubted the threat of Spartacus, and he was no longer being underestimated. You could actually probably say he's being overestimated at this point. However, whoever was elected Praetor would almost certainly be sent out to fight him. And nobody wanted to be the next guy to get dunked on <laughs> by the local slave rebellion and ruin their political career or get killed. Because like, if, if you led an army against Spartacus and lost, you're done. You're not going to be able to climb up the political ladder anymore. You're probably going to lose your fortune. Did they it's do like a nose goes? So nobody came forward. Kind of. Not really. So nobody came forward to stand for election with the exception of one guy. Marcus Lincinius Crassus. Uh, now, if people who are the old heads of Roman history probably recognize that fucking name. Crassus had been formed to incredible wealth and power, uh, only to be forced to flee to, uh, from Rome to Spain after Consul Cinna attempted to order everyone who had sided with Licinius Cornelius Sulla during uh, his march on Rome. Now, uh, once Crassus showed himself to be the ruthless bastard that he was, uh, it kind of charted the rest of his path through his life and what would eventually become the Roman Empire. He recruited a legion with his own money and then threatened local cities and villages in Spain with pillaging if they hand over taxation in exchange for his private army's protection. Huh. You might recognize this as a protection yeah. racket. Uh, yeah. Um, more than once, he unleashed his forces on towns who were pissed that they were already paying taxes to Rome so they shouldn't also have to pay for this guy who was in Roman exile and technically an <laughs> outlaw. He stayed there until Cinna finally died. Afterwards, he ran and joined Sola once again uh, for his second civil war. In this war, Crassus proved himself to be a very talented commander, and it was integral to Sulla's eventual victory and ascension to dictator of Rome. So for the first, and I should point out, like, dictator was a title in Rome. That didn't just mean that they were a dictator. It means two things. Moving on. Um... This is not, in fact, the politics of Rome podcast, even though it's super interesting and weird to me. It's like it's a lot like trying to understand uh, what like American politics was a long time ago, because it's just a whole bunch of rich people trying to kill one another for really? power. Um, so, for the first time, Spartacus is going to have to square off with a skilled commander with a proven track record and experienced soldiers. Uh, like, not only was uh, was Crassus's track record of military success, but it was certainly a track record of not fucking around. Um, furthermore, there is some evidence to suggest that after fleeing into exile and returning to Rome, Crassus had actually rebuilt his massive wealth through th- the slave trade. So uh, he had some personal interest in ending this shit too. Um, I know. All right, I know this has nothing to do with the series, but I feel like I should point this out because it smacks of modern times. Another way that Crassus rebuilt his wealth was by buying poor people's homes, fixing <sighs> them up with slave labor, and then selling them at a this huge market. The dude, the dude <laughs> gentrified Rome. He also had his own fire brigade, as formal fire departments weren't a thing yet. And then when they heard someone's building was on fire, or their home or like apartment complex, which is also a thing, different name, but same thing, uh, was on fire. He would order them to rush to the house. And when then offered to buy it for them at a much lower price and then it was worth. And if they refuse, they would just let it burn down and pay them nothing. And then he would flip <laughs> them. Some, 
Sometimes he would then fix up this partially burnt down house and offer to lease it back to the original owner at triple the rate that they had originally now, paid for it. Before you had this, you had this wall right here. We took it down. Open concept, you see. Open concept. Also, if you don't give me money, you're <laughs> yeah. homeless. I guess what I'm getting at is Crassus is a fucking bastard. This dude has been uh, hustling. Anyway, this dude is a fucking <laughs> dick. <laughs> and he is almost, and he is. He is a main reason as why the Republic fell later on. He's he's a real asshole. Um, anyway, Crassus was elected praetor mostly by default. Um, he was a cold and calculating politician and knew what he had to do in order to further and uh, further curry favor for himself. Uh, so rather than just offering to lead another legion against Spartacus, he decided he would recruit his own and pay for it out of pocket for their training and weapons. That's how rich this guy was. I'll buy my own army. Fuck you. And like I, I get uh, like incredibly wealthy people who buy houses and cars and jet skis and whatever. But like, I want to buy my own legion. That's a true flex. Do you? Eric Prince knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> oh, I just on had the weirdest. This, he was. You know how there's that one show on TLC where they're like, "Move that bus." He had his, but he was like, "Move yeah. that chariot." <laughs> It's it's that show. It's like move that bus, and they pull out away some fucking Roman <laughs> yeah. legion. Oh God! Oh no! So on top of this, he was given the two legions that had previously been defeated in battle, the, like the last two. Altogether, he found himself almost immediately in command of fifty thousand Roman legions. That's a lot. Now there's some contention as to what happens next when Crassus marches marches off after Spartacus. According to some sources, he fought a pair, uh, fought a fought a small part of Spartacus's forces, and uh, some legions ran off away from battle. In Appian's account, he marched his army out of Rome and then immediately subjected the two consular legions to the practice of decimation. Uh, for their puni- it was as punishment for their previous running from battle, as a kind of example to the whole thing. Now, we've talked about decimation before. For those unaware or didn't watch our first or second episode, I can't remember which, uh, where we talked about Italy's greatest military hero, mm. Luigi Cadorna, a patron saint of this podcast, after the, the CIA, I assume. Um, now, decimation is the practice of forcing soldiers to draw lots, and the man who drew the short straw, normally one out of ten, hence the name Decimation, would be murdered via being beaten to death by the other nine of that group. It's not so, fun. Yeah, that's how Crassus rolls out his change of command <laughs> ceremony. <laughs> like that's a uh, that seems. And Appian points out this is to show his soldiers that he was more dangerous to them than Spartacus was. Uh, to the surprise of probably nobody, this worked really well, and Crassus's soldiers suddenly became flushed with motivation as Crassus pushed them to march harder and faster. So, I mean, that worked. Could you imagine being in that legion? Gonna... Any time you got the straw, it was automatically just all of them were cut to be short. That'd be oh, your luck. Suck, and like it, it would, it wouldn't even be like. All right, this would suck. Like you pull the straw. In a short, and like you're gonna get stabbed, or like just like hacked in the neck, or whatever, because like you know the people that are beating you to death, but like, or that are going to be killing you. But you in this practice, you had to be literally beaten to death with bricks and stones, and sometimes bare fists oh, and fuck. feet. Like they they wouldn't give you the easy way out. Like you're gonna die, and it's gonna hurt the whole time. Anyway, I have a new hustle. All right. Everybody like everybody gets out of the military, junior leaders, sometimes officers or whatever. 
and they immediately sell themselves as like business consultants. So I'm going to start my own business consultant firm. And the only thing I'm going to do is recommend businesses make all of their <laughs> CEOs pull straws or like the, like the board of directors, right? Because like the board of directors should actually just be made up of the workers who have a hand in the production and the value. But, you know, the, the, the actual like board of directors, like, all right, kids, this is what we're going to do. I'm Joe. I'm, I'm, I'm business Baz here and I'm going to make you guys pull straws. I'm not going to tell them why, right? They're going to pull a straw and like, Oh, Mr. Bezos, <laughs> you pulled the short one. I have a whole warehouse crew out front and they brought bats. Uh, I don't know if I could, if the, any of that could And they're not the even podcast. good bats. It'd be like the wiffle ball bats. They're, they'd absolutely have to be wiffle ball <laughs> bats. The whole time. Because it, letting people like, it, Anyway, this is this is my my team building exercise. So I bet the next nine people are way more motivated about doing the right thing. Uh, like uh, Exxon Mobil, I hear that you dumped a lot of oil in the ocean. I have some straws. Could you imagine for you. the next nine people are like, "There's no way he has that many straws." <laughs> do it again. I'll be back. It's like that meme. I'll fucking do it again. <laughs> Why do people keep hiring his firm? Uh, so Crassus had a bit of a problem keeping up with Spartacus, not because he was necessarily slower, but because Crassus was used to fighting actual soldiers and had like an idea of how actual soldiers would act. But Spartacus and his rebel army marched seemingly at random with no mission or destination. Uh, and like parts of it would break off and raid towns. So he'd be like, we have reports that this town or this, this village got taken over. Oh fuck. They must be going this way. Nope, guess not. Shit. It was just a, a small group of them. And every once in a while, small groups of Spartacus's raiders would get caught uh, and they would be you know, murdered. Um, yeah. Never had a chance. No. Um, when those situations, like, like you can't really guess what they're going to do next because they don't know what they're going to do next. And, you know, and in a piecemeal fashion, the two armies did run into each other. A few of the legions would be attacked by a detachment of rebels, but Crassus couldn't get Spartacus to commit his entire force. And in each of these battles ended in a right. Roman victory, losing thousands of people, uh, or Spartacus lost thousands of people, and the legionnaires took, like, virtually Fuck. no casualties. Um, no Numbers aren't really known, but they're, like, single digit. What? <laughs> yeah. They're not even the good ones. Some people might... This guy died yeah. of uh, uh, some people... being stepped on by too many dudes. <laughs> During battle, he tripped and rolled his ankle, and then uh, an arrow fell into the back <laughs> yeah. of his head. Now, some people might object to the idea that Spartacus is marching randomly, but as the only explanation for what happened next. And that is he marched directly into a peninsula, effectively trapping himself. M- um, meant to do that. <laughs> like, this is such... Yeah, got him right where I want him. <laughs> All over the place. Uh, like, he marched into the peninsula and then just stayed there. Like, maybe he didn't know it was a peninsula. I was like, oh, fuck, there's ocean over here. Because it's not like he had a map. Quick, quick, quick. How many vines and do we have? Of these guys are- <laughs> and most of these guys aren't from Rome. So, like, and-, and Crassus thought this is such a dumb idea that he kind of was like, this must be a trap of some kind. So he kind of <laughs> hesitated on closing in. Like, nobody would do something this dumb on purpose. <laughs> But it quickly became apparent that, nope, he just didn't know what he was doing. So Crassus ordered his men to move in and trap the rebels, again laying siege. His next plan was something straight out of a Looney Tunes cartoon. He ordered his soldiers to begin digging a massive trench from one side of the peninsula to the other. 
to make sure that the oh, rebels fuck, couldn't escape. Wine? Like this, re- this reminds me of like the Bugs Bunny skit where he's like sawing Florida <laughs> off, but it's just legionnaires digging with shovels and shit. Like fuck, this sucks. We just had to march eighty fucking miles or whatever, and now we have to dig a trench across an entire peninsula. I'm willing to risk getting decimated. That's gonna this. be the shittiest detail on this podcast I've heard. Digging a crowd, digging like this is like tens of miles. Yeah, it's got to be, and it has to be deep enough where people can't just like deep and like wide enough where people can't just like casually right. jump across it. So it's deep as fuck. Um, and like historians have said, it still kind of really? remains there. Like there's like you can kind of point it out. Um, now Spartacus led small portions of his army out on harassing hit and run attacks on the soldiers as they dug. Um, and like some of them were like gathering bundles of sticks together. Uh, and uh, so like Spartacus men would gather bundles of sticks together, cover them in tar and then light them on fire and chuck them into the ditch while people were digging, Holy burning fuck. them alive. <laughs> uh, yield napalm. Uh, at one occasion they grabbed a soldier while he was digging, crucified him and hung him up uh, on a part of the line where all the Romans could oh, see. Oh, fuck. Now, this had two purposes, to scare the Romans, who, uh, like, obviously, like, hey, if we capture you, this is what happens. But also, it was something of a motive, like, some people opine it was a motivation technique on Spartacus's part, warning his side, this is what would happen to you if the Romans win, because the Romans, like, really like to crucify people. Um, like, if this happens to you, they'll kill you really, really badly, at, like this, like we're doing to this yeah, guy Yeah, well, Jesus here. Christ, you. Yes, but that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> uh, despite weeks of work and completing this peninsula-wide trench, Spartacus and the rebels escaped by filling a small portion of the trench with dirt and trees and running into the night without them realizing what was happening before it was too late. Because, yeah, that's how you escape that. You can't possibly man this entire line. That's fucking awesome. After that, uh, uh, Spartacus led his men south towards Sicily. It is generally believed that he uh, he accepted that he was never going to escape Italy from the north. Rome had gotten its shit together, and uh, another legendary military commander, Pompey the Great, had uh, returned from Spain with another 50,000 soldiers uh, that were now staring down at no, him fuck. from the north. This pissed Crassus off because he saw something he saw Pompey coming as like a way of like trying to steal the glory of his military victory. After he had done all the hard work, which, to be clear, that's exactly what Pompey was doing. Um, Yeah. Now, Spartacus reportedly openly wept after hearing about the news of Pompey's arrival, understanding that there's a very good chance he and his rebels were all fucked. So his plan changed from escaping into Gaul to escaping into Sicily, which is like escaping into a dead end because Sicily is an island. Um, Everyone knew about the previous first and second servile wars and he thought if he led his forces into sicily he could spark another rebellion and you know replenish the tens of thousands of people (laughs) that have died so far uh spartacus made it to the coast where he made contact with some sicilian pirates who he paid with what remained of his loot to ferry him and about two thousand of his men to messina to continue the war i assume he didn't tell the people he was leaving behind uh that he was leaving them behind because he has about forty thousand ish people. He's like, I'm actually only I can only afford two thousand. <laughs> He's like, Bye, we'll, y'all. We'll be back. No, we're turning right back around. I swear. 
we're not coming <laughs> back. Uh, now the pirates agreed um, and told them like, well, we don't have enough boats for 2000 people. So we have to go back, get more boats and then we'll, we'll come back in a couple days. So instead they stole all the Spartacus and loot and fucked off and never came back. <laughs> yeah. Pirate stuff. <laughs> Just pirate things. Uh, Spartacus knew Sicily was now out of the question and he also knew Pompey and other legions were on their way and he had and he's no not really way into out. Sicilian pizza from what I heard. You know, I could really kill for right? some Sicilian pizza. It makes me really hungry. I'm probably ordering pizza nice. after we record now. Um, now, Spartacus knew he was fucked. Uh, he sent an emissary to Crassus, acting, asking for a peace in exchange for safe passage to the north and out of Italy, promising never to return to Rome. Crassus refused immediately because he knew he had them cornered and he was dealing with a whole <laughs> bunch of slaves. It was around this point Spartacus began to lose what cohesion that he had within his ranks as about 13,000 people of his broke off from the main army and tried to make a break for it. They were almost immediately cornered and slaughtered by Crassus's legions with, without much like of a you, fight. If I were to just leave on my own, Will, like just me by myself, I'd be fine. Just to like by yourself sneak off in the middle of the night? That's probably, that, that probably happened to a lot of people. Um, like... Slowly, like Homer Simpson yeah. sinking off into the bush. Like, I mean, freed slaves were very common, um, even though some slaves were branded. But, you know, whatever. They Think of an excuse on the run. Um, or get the fuck out of Rome, maybe. Uh, furthermore, uh, the organized surprise attacks that he kind of had been using were all but over. Small elements broke off and attacked the Romans randomly, not with, like, real no plan uh, this was like a probing attack. They were desperate to escape. Uh, I don't know if it's for funsies. I think it's like flailing wildly, attempting to save their own lives. Uh, Sp- Spartacus managed to limp with what remained of his army towards the Solaris River, or Solarius River, one of the two, where he, uh, where he knew he had no choice but to turn around and throw the full weight of this remaining rebel army against Crassus and the off chance any of them we're ever going to leave Italy alive. Like he's like, got to put up or shut up. I have to win this battle. Then maybe we can make a break for it. But he knew he was going to have to fight someone. And I guess he picked Crassus. Crassus was closer. In order to motivate his men, Spartacus ordered that his horse be brought in front of him. And when it was, he sliced its throat saying that if he'd won, he'd have a ton of horses to choose from. And if they lost, it wouldn't matter because he wouldn't need a horse anymore. It was one of those things that, like, I'm not going to run. Now I can't. Everybody has to stand <sighs> with me. Like, I'm standing with you until the end. Which In my head, I'd be like, cool. fuck, my feet uh, really hurt. Why did I do that? I would have traded <laughs> yeah. you for that horse. <laughs> Facing him, Crassus once again built 37 miles of defensive works consisting of walls and ditches. Um, I mean, this is not uncommon. Building forts on the go is pretty common for Roman military tactics. Um, like small outposts, walls, trenches, things like that to slow down their enemies. Um, again, it hardly mattered because you know they they again these are all things that you do when you're fighting and uh, a cohesive organized group of men. Um, Spartacus was not any of those things. <laughs> he led a group of men sneaking up over the walls of the defenders and began to silently attack the the pickets, opening up a gap for the rest of his men to charge through. However, this didn't work um 
because you know when you're being ambushed, you make noise. Uh, some of the people on the wall were able to give warning to Crest's main army, which you know, like they should have done at Mount yeah. Mount Vesuvius. <laughs> so uh, the rebel or the the Roman army had enough time to form up. So the fifty thousand rebels slammed into about forty thousand Roman soldiers in full battle formation. Um, the slaves slammed into the Roman shields and began to get slaughtered. The slaves fought as hard as they could, but simply could not overcome the murder machine of a properly led, properly trained, and properly armed army of legionnaires. During the battle, Spartacus saw Crassus watching the battle from a nearby hill, and he decided, fuck it, if I'm going to die, I'm taking that asshole with me, and he charged it single-handedly. He killed two centurions in the process, who were like or junior commanders of around 80 men apiece, Known as the Centuria, uh, like he kind of slaughtered some company commanders, which nice. we could all get behind that. During his blood blind rage to get to Crassus, he was stabbed through both legs and impaled Ugh, with a spear, fuck. but kept on killing everyone around him. This finally, uh, this finally ended when he was overpowered by sheer numbers and killed only a few feet away from Crassus, who, by all accounts, didn't even bother running Sounds away. Sounds like a fucking movie. Kind of was. I mean, again, this is all. Secondhand accounts, uh, Crassus didn't say that's what happened, and Crassus was there. But in Crassus Lives, that's what Plutarch said. So I'll take that. Um, the rest of Spartacus's army didn't stand a chance without him and were brutally slaughtered, though several thousand began uh, or saw the writing on the wall, tossed down their weapons, and surrendered, assuming going back to a lifetime of slavery is barely being hacked to death in this field. History notes that about 36,000 slaves were killed, and uh, only about a thousand Romans. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, another about five thousand slaves escaped the battle entirely, but were caught by Pompey's army and killed. Unfortunately for the slaves who were captured during the battle or, or after the battle, rather, Crassus had no intention of returning them to the bonds of slavery. Crassus had the around six thousand prisoners march down the Appian Way in a single file line. Once there. They found a whole bunch of crosses, and from the road between Capua, where the rebellion began, and Rome, known as the Appian Way, he had them crucified, spaced apart, so they lined the entire highway, a distance of 132 miles. The slaves were left up on their crosses to rot in the sun for weeks or months, however long it took them to simply rot and fall off, as a warning to any slave that saw them what would happen to them should they ever think of pulling a Spartacus ever again? Uh, and it worked. There was never a fourth servile war. <laughs> There's like nothing good about that. <laughs> Sad. No. Uh, also, the massive amount of military power that had been gathered by Pompey and Crassus would go on to bend Rome to its will. Neither side would disband their legions and instead camped outside of Rome, opposite of one another. They then both ran for council, despite the fact that Pompey wasn't even eligible. Both men won the consulship, based mostly entirely on the implied military force that'd be used against the city, or at each other, if it didn't. Isn't it fun when republics forsake their own rules in order to appease threatening strongmen? <laughs> Certainly nothing to learn from from that. Um, but this would eventually lead to the fall of the republic and the rise of the Roman Empire. Uh... The end? I mean... That's the end. Didn't see that coming, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, like, the the, the crucifixion of the, the slaves down the Appian Way is, like, one of the more legendary things that's happened. 
um, because it's like so cartoonish in its br- brutality that you're like, no, this is like the story of Christians being fed to lions in the in the Colosseum. It didn't really happen. This shit fucking happened. He they they crucified six thousand people over one hundred and thirty two miles, so everybody could see. That's it. fucking insane. Imagine just like going about your business, like God, what fucking what is that stench? Oh, yeah, it's going the down the freeway. The rotting. Co- it's the corpse road. We, nice. We've come full back circle to corpse road. Now, Nick, we do a little thing on this show oh. called Questions it's been a little from bit. the Legion. It's been one whole episode. Because uh, we like for people unaware, we wait until the end of a series um, so we don't ruin the flow from one episode of, to another. Not that I'm good at flow. Sorry. I would like to think I am. You'd think I'd be good at it by now. You'd be wrong. Now, um, this one is a little bit different. Um, has to do with history research. Uh, it's simply like what, like how do you find how? What do you consider a good uh, primary source? Yes, this is a pretty basic question, um, and I'm glad somebody asked it actually, um, because a lot of people ask how I find sources, and I always say, oh, it's a primary source. And unless you know what the fuck that means, I didn't tell you anything. So a primary source is simply put a raw material of history, original documents uh, or eyewitness accounts uh, of. Created by people who witness an event happen. Um, so, like uh, Appian Civil War, Plutarch, those are both considered primary sources of Roman history, depending on what they're writing about. Um, my book, uh, Hooligans of Kandar, would be considered a primary source on the American war in Afghanistan. Um, Zinke Boys would be a primary source. Um, on the Soviet-Afghan War, of which there is not many. forgot about that book. Um, yeah, it, one of the gr- most grim bo- grimmest books ever written. Um, so that's why uh, these definitions are pretty important. So like, you know, especially now when we people say we live in the post-fact era, uh, when you try, have to try to hunt down sources, um, if things are considered quality sources. Now, that doesn't mean a primary source is necessarily 100% correct. We've ran into that today. Um, but you can take that eyewitness account or original document, um, and cross check it with secondary and other primary sources and, and decide if they are a reliable source. There's a lot of primary sources that are bullshit. Um, a good example of that would be, uh, or secondary sources, I should say that are bullshit. And you can use primary sources to prove them incorrect. A good way of doing that is, for instance, I wrote my, uh, graduation thesis on the Armenian genocide. Mo- all of that is based on primary sources, and I use those to debunk secondary Turkish sources that say a genocide did not happen. Um, and they will cite their own primary sources um, for their argument. And that is how you find out if an argument is bullshit or not. Um, and anyway, that is how I have been um, kind of doing the Prager, the Donkey U episodes on Prager U. Uh, but they don't list their sources. So it, things like that make it harder. And you kind of have to deduce what the fuck they're talking about. Um, so it doesn't always work that way. But that is primary nice. sources. Um, I Yeah. So if you are maybe you, you haven't gone to college or you're in high school and you haven't quite figured those out yet. I don't remember if they taught primary sources in high school or not. I'm old. Um, yeah. The, the, those are definitions that you need to get, uh, get used to if you... Look forward to this kind of thing. Uh, I um, use uh, Joe's brain until it finally rots. I got six to 12 months at best. <laughs> That's mine, my research. 
Nick, thank you again, as always, for joining me on this uh, crucifixion-filled That's story. That's a good way to put it. Um, yeah. Um, and thank you, everybody, for joining us. Uh, and until next time, uh, uh, use decimation. <laughs> <laughs> Later. <laughs>